A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Let's begin with Jordan Peterson. Peter as, Jordan, as we often do uh, on Joe Rogan. So I thought it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I thought he had a much stronger series of things to communicate than he did in the last one. The climate change thing was, to me, the last time that he was on Joe Rogan when he said that climate change is tough to define and what's the difference between climate and everything. It seemed like he was purposely, or maybe not purposely, he was missing the point that when people discuss climate change, there is a specific thing that they are talking about which is on average like the temperature of the earth rising resulting in melting ice caps and and increased severe weather patterns that is distinct from everything and his the semantic game that he played at the beginning of the last one I found uninteresting um and a lot of people did as well this time I thought he had a lot more interesting things to say and I was uh, I was like oh I'm, I'm back in yeah yeah <laughs> um so his bit on toxic femininity I was cool with, um, cool with, I thought was cool. We've talked about toxic masculinity, and I actually don't have a problem with that term. Um, I think the way that I can conceive of both of them, it's that there's these perhaps culturally pushed ways that men or masculine people ought to be, and there's culturally pushed ways that uh, women ought to be or perhaps even tend to be, and when we have cultural ways that these might be accepted but get into a territory of harm. Yep. And so people are pretty familiar with toxic masculinity. That's been discussed many times. And I actually think that some of the ways in which they're discussed are totally reasonable. Boys can't cry, all this kind of stuff. Not helpful for the boys, not helpful for society, um, et cetera. Toxic femininity, it's like, what is that? And I thought he had a really interesting take on it, which is the toxic femininity is the proclivity to infantilize everything and view those who resist that infantilization as predators. And... That matches, uh, I think that's a really good description of some of what you see in the I'm offended by that category of people who need the way that an infant deals with the world is that they are incapable of changing themselves or their approach. They cannot put shoes on. They need to have the world made softer for them by someone else. That is the only approach that an infant can have to the world. And so that what a mother does is comes in and it hears your food. They spoon it into your mouth. They make sure that the world works for you. It's the only way to survive as an infant. And it's a totally reasonable approach. When at some point in life, and I don't know if this needs to be done by dad or, you know, perhaps a more healthy feminine uh, could do this more often for people. There needs to be a demand of self-reliance at some point. And with children, it starts with like, can you sleep through the night? Or do I come in and rescue you every time you're crying? And if that urge is, oh, uh, the rescuer always steps in, that's where toxic femininity comes in. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting to hear him sort of talk about college. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I 100% agree, but his perspective was that for some of the women who are, you know, make up... Um, what he would call the woke group of some of these colleges, that their toxic femininity is on display in how they infantilize the students to make up for the infants that they never had. Yeah. Which I thought was a little, little bit too Freudian on the nose for me, but I did think was interesting. Was that your experience in college? What I do think is an interesting way to view college is the extension of adolescence, and you can even extend adolescence to like, this is the extension of infancy, which is the yeah. way that I treated college, no fucking joke, was... Four years to not grow up, and then I hadn't grown up at the end of the four years. Let me go back to grad school and not grow up again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and it was shield me from the consequences of my actions while I pretend that this is in the name of education. 
And that is something that I do think, like, the way that the U.S. talks about education and the way that we talk about universal higher education, this conversation made me realize that is concerning to me because the best education that I eventually got was when I had to pay my college debts. And it was the financial education I never got. It was the holy crap, I have to do work that I don't like in order to make up for the time where I lived off borrowed goods in the future. Um, and I do look back and I go like, what were the, the, the largest losses that I've ever had in my life that I don't think I got my money's worth out of were college and grad school. Right. Now, people always say, well, what else are you going to do? What's the other path? And I think the truth is our society hasn't really carved out you know, you can go to, you can enter the workforce immediately, but it's trade school. You can go to trade school, you can join the military. Uh, but a lot of those, there's not necessarily, it's like you're in your parents' home in high school and there's not really a good ritual transition. I think college is fine. It's just way too expensive for that to be the ritual transition of yes. <laughs> the university. It's like, uh, you have what a hundred K in debt and you learned very little and you spent four years there and then you did another year to and the problem is that, like, I think back to when our parents, mom and dad, were there. Like, dad worked through college and paid it down while yes. he was there. The ability to take out debt made it so that my experience of college was one of very, like, no pressure while I was able to not realize the financial implication of all of my decision making. Yeah. And so I do think that there was this period where we really... uh I don't know if it's lionized or idealized this experience of college, which you shouldn't have to work. You shouldn't have to have a part-time thing. You shouldn't have to do this. You should get to just be a full-time student. And what that becomes is if there is no responsibility, this was definitely my experience, it was how often can I go to the bar and drink? Or, you know, can I stay in the play flip cup and then go out or mess around, screw around, and pretend that reading this chapter or taking this test is what the world will be asking and demanding of me in the future. Yep. And then I remember feeling in from my liberal arts education and in myself this spite towards the world for not being appreciated because I could write an essay that my teacher gave an A to and I look back at some of those essays and they're fucking lame they're not interesting some of them have seeds of of something in there um but the yeah there's there there I'm more interested in that vitriolic emotion that you should be appreciated for what you did in your little like uh ecosystem well yeah I think that there is there is a truth to our society doesn't appreciate the liberal arts and that is to its own detriment, right? Mm -hmm. If it's all engineering, doctors, this, that, how do we make the math work? There is heart, soul connection that is lost. But that, again, can when, when not tempered with a need to produce in the world as it was for four or five years of my life where it was just like I was in this cocoon of all that mattered was books and essays and you shouldn't have to ever contend with the real world in a it, way it was that, a credits game can uh, how much can i fit into this to finish at a four-year late uh f- sorry i'm fucking up my words but how much credits do i need in this semester to then mm-hmm. graduate on time yes it's like a credits game yes that uh the hardcore buffering of that experience from from pressures of the real world and then everyone blames capitalism like we should just get to write poetry all day we should just get to do this not realizing that it's not capitalism that has imposed the demands of like needing to work to to have food it is that is a system of trade and barter and etc because the world does not ready provide your lunch dinner shelter etc and you need to provide value to someone else in a way that they find meaningful in order to acquire that unless i wanted to learn how to farm construct a house create an internet and all that on my own. And then to bring it like back around, I personally feel that I would have never grown up if I hadn't had the pressures, like you said earlier, um, of staying in an infantile. I will stay as an infantile because it's comfortable. If someone's going to wipe my butt and feed me, (laughs) I'll enjoy it and then complain about it that it's not fair. But uh, yeah, I didn't grow up until after I left that that ecosystem of college as well. So uh, don't want to give suffering to people, but geez, like... That is something that I've had to learn. This I don't want to make you suffer is I think that may, you can call it masculine. I don't think it needs to be masculine energy, but this this came to me in one of the recent uh, journeys that we had was like this shielding of the people that you love from the experience of their pain is not love. It is panic. It is self-obsession. 
It is an inability to be, for me, to be grounded yeah. enough in that they are okay and that I am okay and that they can get through it and that life entails pain and it is not my job, nor would it be good for them, for me to intervene on their behalf constantly. That keeps both of us umbilical cord connected, how I have, I've set up a lot of relationships in my life in yeah. this way, in a very unhealthy way. And uh, yeah, that there is like that stereotypical, archetypal, perhaps dad energy, which is like, let him figure it out. Let him find his feet. And that can, of course, go too far when you're like a Spartan who throws your kid into the pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But perhaps that was appropriate for that time period with of what life really meant. Yeah, you didn't those. make it past 25. And, of course, the balance of each of those, which is like, no, we need to make the world nicer for people. And, you know, no, we need to prepare people for the world as it is. There's a, there's a yin-yang balance there that is, that is um, desirable that is, of course, evolving over time as the world is made softer for yes. so many people which is not a bad thing yeah um so i, I have more on jordan but I, this reminds me of another topic which is the harry potter game i don't know if you saw this no harry potter legacy is it good it's got a nine out of ten on ign um and people say they out. like it i'm not into the harry potter world but this seems to be if you like the harry potter world it's like amazing um, okay. to get wrapped up in uh so this is fascinating to me the first stories of this were in the preceding weeks that there was this online campaign of anti-JK Rowling people who don't like her for her stance on trans people uh, demanding that Twitch ban this game, that streamers be attacked, etc. Then the first days it had sort of a deluxe version release on the 7th was the first story that I saw was of certain streamers being attacked by their chat and sort of there was one streamer, I think it was Girlfriend Reviews, who was really having a hard time with it. And was like, can we take a break? Like, it seemed to be, um, it was affecting her and didn't want to do that game anymore and then issued an apology to, like, how how the, she shouldn't have done that. Um, and Played that game. Yes. Of course not. And <laughs> so what my thing was, I was like, oh, wow, these the activists, are they found a lever of power. You know what I mean? They're able to shout people out. And then it goes on to set records of Twitch streams, <laughs> number of people watching. While, by the way, some big streamers like Hassan Abi, so you don't need to know who that is, but he's a large streamer. He's a politically left streamer, voiced that the reason he's not playing is because he doesn't want to deal with harassment, but other, you know, basically otherwise he would. Um, and I just found it very interesting that you've got this group of people that who's a, who is very loud on the internet whose opinion is so drowned out by the weight of people who hadn't chimed in at that time that want to play the game or want to watch the game that are not active in the comments that are not activist oh uh, and if you i get, thought the loud the loud people trying to stop the game made the game bigger than it was but you're saying no there's I a silent so. silent majority no, that just played the game and that that was the thing maybe this uh streisand no she's fucking jk rowling this is harry potter it's an open world harry potter game it needed nothing to succeed you know like this is a billion dollar intellectual property yeah so for me, just the what was interesting from my perspective was the evolution of my guessing and understanding of what would happen. And in taking this online reaction to be at all indicative of what would happen in the real world, I would have had a much better prediction of how this game was going to do if I'd not read any articles, not done it, and just said, hey, they're releasing an open-world Harry, Harry Potter. Potter game, and it looks like the combat is pretty good. Like, early things say that it's going to be great. It's like, oh, that's going to be a smash success. Mm. So that was one thing. It's just like these... These communities that are the loudest are very, very out of touch with what people think and believe. The other thing that I was struck by was the justification. Like, boy, for there's, there's a boycott, and then there is harassing other people to participate in your boycott, which are different things. This, this involves leaving, abstaining, etc. This involves going to someone else and saying shit or attacking them uh, verbally in some way, not physically. Um... And those are very different approaches. And what seems to justify in the minds of, you know, the collective who did that is that J.K. Rowling attacked them first. She tried to erase their existence or something like that. And that, to me, is so indicative of this infantilization of people. The idea that J.K. Rowling, you might not like her position, she might not like you, whatever, which I don't even think is totally true about her positions on trans people. Um, she cannot, did not erase anyone's existence. But the equating of that with 
total erasure is just not, it's, it, there, there's a huge leap that is going on there. And then it then justifies taking anger, violence to somebody else. And of course, you're not erasing them. You are putting verbal pressure and getting in, you know, a mob of people to show up in their Twitch stream to pressure them to capitulate and behave as you would like, by the way, without changing any minds. Yeah. This is the other thing. There is no attempt in this, like, we have to do this to actually persuade someone. What you get are people who cave. And every and people acknowledge this, which I thought was interesting. So this guy, Hassan Abi, says, this is the only reason I'm doing this. But the amount of hate that he, like, his heart... Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. No. But the difference between streaming and not streaming is, like, people don't care if you're on board with them. They care that you act in the desired direction that yeah. matches what they would like of you, which I think is... Reminds me of like the psycho crazed berserkers from Germany who could only destroy <laughs> something, um, but like to get people to their side was like no negotiation. Like we're we're going to kill you. Um, <laughs> well, and again, I don't want to make the same mistake of saying that they're gonna they're not gonna kill anybody. This was my first point: is they have no power. If you can, which is tough, and I don't want to pretend like this. It is it is real that uh, when a mob attacks you that. It can feel like the weight of the world is on, even mm. though technically all you have to do is disconnect from the internet, go sit outside for two weeks and it's uh. over. Like, I don't want to pretend that these people are attacking like berserkers because they're not. Yeah. They're not. They are typing on their keyboard and people are so connected to the internet that they then begin to feel that as violence against themselves that they capitulate to, et cetera, instead of like owning their experience of it, which is I don't hate trans people. I'm playing a Harry Potter game. And J.K. Rowling's position on this is unimportant. Never mind that in all of this, which I should say, is that the company who made the game several times, of course, J.K. Rowling's getting uh, royalties, has stated they put a trans character in the game. First trans character ever in the Harry Potter universe is in this game. <laughs> you know, like they, they took steps to say, this is not our position. We love the world of Harry Potter. We don't share every belief that J.K. Rowling has. And, you know, this is, this is sort of an olive branch to, to how we view the world. Yeah. Um, which was insufficient for these particular people. And I thought that was interesting. Um, and I'll take this back to Jordan Peterson now. The, I think this is the infantilization is there are broadly uh, two ways to handle, this is an oversimplification, and I think that, again, yin-yang would be good here, uh, uncomfortable feelings. One is you can look internally and ask what sort of mechanism receiving thing you can do. So for like, and how you can behave or perceive things differently. So that might mean I'm not going to go to JK Rowling's thing. I'm not going to play this game myself. I'm going to spend time with people who love me. I'm going to ask myself all these kinds of questions. Uh. And the other is to go out into the world and try to change the world so that it doesn't upset you. I thought anymore. both were actually were pretty external. I thought the if an internal reflection would be, I'm going to sit and meditate and see mm. how this affects me. Yes. I'm actually not going to change what I do physically, like play or not play. But yeah, the other one is definitely more external. But the first one I would say even more internal is like, is it the game that's affecting me mm -hmm. or is it something else that's affecting me? Yeah. Am I mad at my friend who's not, uh, I don't feel seen by or something? Mm -hmm. Or is it no, the video game? That's a good point. So perhaps there's, you know, I'll amend this. There is the sitting and reflecting of like, what is triggered inside of me with J.K. Rowling? Okay, because J.K. Rowling is not deleting you as a person. Yes. You know, and so, or, or if on the, you're on the flip side, you're being attacked by these people in the comments, what is being triggered inside of you? Because these people are not at your door. They are not attacking you. These are words on a screen. You know, what feeling is being triggered? So that's a good point, is that the one way to handle that is to sit down and say, the world has offered me an opportunity for reflection inside of myself. And what is happening, I think, in both of those cases is that those people which is easy to do, are projecting onto the situation. So when you see that chat, let's take the other, the flip side, that chat go berserk on you, and I've experienced this, the comments upset with you. Yeah. You project the wrongness that you felt when you were chastised as a child, the fear of exclusion that you thought was coming as a result of that, the need to make amends by knowing that you are bad and just offering your neck out to say, please take me, I'm evil. You know what I mean? Like I am the things you say, please just let me back into this community. All of that upset is being projected onto this chat and then the object of how you fix this becomes you make the chat's flow say different things by doing whatever you need to do. Right. Um, on the other side, it's, you know, how I, you know, or someone as a trans person has surely felt an unseen 
uh, like their identity was not understood by other people. And they take that very concrete pain of their own life where there are probably very specific people that that is tied to. People who, if they had to address it, would be wildly painful, intensely personal, totally subjective, and no one can bail them out Mm. of that thing. And they can project that onto J.K. Rowling. All of that pain can go onto this, and then the way that they can deal with it is that they can scream and shout at everybody else and take all the anger that might be unsafe to have towards their dad, their mom, their teacher, their community, whatever, and they can dump it on some person's stream, you know, at them. And uh, it's, I think that that broadly, there's an infantilization. It's, It's like, and when I look at myself and I look at, you know, as I get older, increasingly, now I want to make clear I don't think we should all just sit on mountaintops and de- like I do think we want to go out into the world and make the world a kinder place. I think that there are times of course that we want to adjust the world so that it doesn't trigger us in all of the most challenging ways. Um, but as I get older increasingly it's sit. You know sit with the upset that is coming up inside of you because this is yet another opportunity of which you will get infinite right so the people let's say that they had succeeded in shutting down jk rowling and this game had been banned you think that would have been the end of the fight no it will go on forever the fight can never end because the actual thing that is going on is the world is merely providing triggers for shit that you have not dealt with inside of yeah or gifts depending on how you look at them or gifts here's yet another opportunity for you to realize that this person on the other thing with this video game which is totally which is you know she receives royalties from but has a very different ethos Mm. than she ever did which is being played by people who do not hate you (laughs) <laughs> yes. some some of them are doing fundraisers for people like you this is an opportunity for you to go oh shit that's not where it's coming from yeah <laughs> it's coming from inside of me yes and the college woke infantilization which encourages banding together to and externalize and project is toxic femininity like in the way that jordan peterson describes it yeah and uh i you know, we had our conversation with Destiny, and I've, I've just been thinking a lot about that, that that is a fundamental way that people deal with the world is they just take the shit. I think that it might be too much to say that literally every perception is just you projecting because it seems to be that there is something with which I am interacting, though I don't know about the depth. I haven't really ironed out my entire metaphysics. Yeah. But increasingly, more and more, I see of what people bring to the world, this old cliche, the world is a mirror. It just tells you what's going on inside of you over and over again. And the thing, specifically, the things that you focus on, there's an infinite number of things for you to focus on in the world. What captures your attention at any given time, and I'm speaking for myself, what captures my attention at any given time is a reflection of what, what is going on inside of me. Yes. Um, and that, that infantilization. Yes. And the, and the challenge which I think is, you know, this is what, when sleep training with infants is, can you sit with yourself without being rescued by the world? Like, and it's a fucking hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do. Uh, I also want to bring up another point, which was uh, while Jordan Peterson was talking about, you said what your focus is, what you're also projecting and seeing in the world. I also was seeing what I think Jordan Peterson sees in the world. Yeah, that was what I was going to bring up next. Uh, And you can help me out which was he talks about Hansel and Gretel, and -hmm. he also talks about uh, the Bible a lot in Exodus. And it's interesting, like, you're seeing the lens through this new way of this infantilization that you felt Mm -hmm. through your college career seems to hit home. And it's like when Jordan Peterson talks about the world, you hear heavy Exodus scripture coming through. Uh, So, yeah, I I hope that tees you up. But, like, Mm -hmm. he fit everything into how this pertains to the Bible. Yeah. Um, so, so Sam Harris made this point. I'll make it again. And this is the, perhaps the thing that I would most like to talk to Jordan Peterson about if we ever do have him on the podcast is the Bible is this thick, right? There are passages that nobody goes to and it's like that, that discusses how to treat your slaves or, you know, when you conquer someone, what you're supposed to do with the women. Like we don't look for the metaphor in yeah. that. We, we skip those and we go to the Garden of Gethsemane or like, you know, something like that. Corinthians. Corinthians, right? <laughs> and those choices of what we do say less about the Bible because there's still a lot of space on how to treat your slaves. Yeah. And so much more about the person that is reading the Bible, which is like, I think it's awesome that you have this view of the world, but 
when, when we say that it is coming from the depths of these texts that we have selectively looked at, I have an issue. The other issue I have is that when I look at the stories that Jordan has, uh, often points to, some of them I will find strong resonance with his read of the story. And this is this is something we did way back when I was a lit major. It's like, is this coming from the text, from the author, from you? You know, those are the discussions we would have. But there's alignment between he and I. Other stories, like the initial one in the Garden of Eden, which I've said before, I'll say again, to Jordan, I have to do better research, but it's like the logos of order coming in, all this kind of stuff. What I read in the story of the Garden of Eden is that God lied to Adam, the first liar in the history of the universe, and said, if you eat from the tree of knowledge, you will surely die this day. This could be a translation issue, but that is what the King James says. And then the snake, the devil, tells Adam, God is lying to you. He does not want you to have the knowledge of essentially morality. He Adam, tells... He tells Eve and them, they'd eat it together, unimportant for my thing. But okay. the snake tells the truth. They eat it. They don't die that day. Yes. They do get knowledge of good and evil. They decide to cover themselves from a God who seems like a pervert, who wants, who cannot have a boundary <laughs> between him and them, right? Yes. They say, you're not allowed to see this anymore. Yes. This is my private space. Yes. God blows his gasket. Well, because if he eats from the... Uh, has an aside yeah. and says, oh my God, if they eat from the tree of power, they will become like me. Yes. I can't have that. And he expels them, makes the serpent the lowest of animals, punishes Eve with pain and childbirth and, and subservience to Adam. And it's like, when I look at that story, I see a preface to the entire Bible that tells me, don't listen to this God character. He's a jealous, vengeful guy who is not interested in you forming your own opinion. The serpent got a bad fucking rap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen. No legs. <laughs> yeah, right? Meant to crawl. Like, and, and I feel like that is a very textually supported read yeah. of that first thing. He's got a very different view of it. And I feel like what that says is nothing about the Bible and everything about me and everything about him. Yep. I don't fucking trust the authority. I am. I want truth to come from strange places. Yeah. If you like, th that's me. He's way more conservative. Like yeah. you know, he's he's looking to find the value in these old yeah. things. And if we can land on, oh, this is this is as this is who I am, and that's who you are, as opposed to this is the Bible, and this therefore informs every authority in the world yes. today. Yes, which he certainly seems yes. to think. And so what it seems like is when people project, they try to make their subjective, indefensible, non-universalizable non experience of the world objective truth. Yeah. And so if I can say, look, what I think is actually in there, it's an incredibly powerful position to take, which is this isn't just my life and my specific circumstances and my relationship with authority. This is coming from God and the Bible, and that pertains to you as well, and therefore you have to behave that way. Um, so the other story that he told was the story of Exodus and the Jews and the wandering in the desert Moses. and Moses is a judge. And again, I'm just going, why would we view it that way? You can watch his particular take, which I think is still like an interesting and valuable take that tells me a lot about Jordan and is a really wonderful, potentially interesting suggestion of how we ought to behave in the world. But I go, why isn't this a recipe for literally splitting the Red Sea in half? Why isn't it like do these six things and then the sea will open up and then you can mine whatever is at the bottom of the Red Sea? Like why is that not as just a reasonable way to look at it? Oh, well, that doesn't happen with the Red Sea. Yeah, that's based on experience though. That's not what the, the Bible says. Do this to cut the Red Sea in half, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so my version is almost a more literal, I think you would agree. This is what the Bible said. This is how you get the Red Sea to open up and then walk through it and do whatever you want in the interim and then crash it on your enemies. Yeah. Um, his version is about him. Yes. And that's all. That's that's my my only thing when I hear his analysis, which is like, dude, it's amazing that your analysis connects with a lot of people. Uh, I think there's extreme value. If you want to hear what I think of, there's a number of stories in the Bible that, that really touch me to my core. And when I tell them to other people, I see a resonance in there. But that is like, the Bible is almost just a, a touch point for two people. To connect, because the fact that I that I am the, the story of Gethsemane and Jesus on the night before he was crucified really speaks to me, but not again how I should eat shellfish and what does that mean about how I prepare my food. And there's no metaphor in there and for there, you, but there yeah, but there could be if I if I was a heavy fisher, yes, fisherman person, there could be a deep metaphor in me. Might not resonate with a ton of people. Mm. Um, and then we say, well, the stories that resonate with a lot of people must, you know, pertain to universal truths. Eh, not really. It might pertain to a cultural moment in time that connects with a lot of people. The stories that have I 
I think have been most impactful in the Bible have shifted throughout time away from the fire and brimstone. And this is how you, this is what justifies our imperialistic (laughs) venturing out into the world and taking of slaves and all this kind of stuff to the forgiveness of Jesus. And that is not that that story is more or less universal. That just tells us more about what people, given technology and economics at that time, have going on inside of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Can we agree on that, Jordan? Can we agree? That's our question. I want you, yeah, so question mark at the end of that. Will you come on? Please. Defend thyself. <laughs> I do I do really want to know if he is even, uh, if he's looked and noticed that God tells the first lie. Because I tell that to people that are religious, and they, they have no idea. They know who the first murderer is. It's definitely Cain. They don't know who told the first lie. And the fact that that can be so overlooked is has been fascinating to me. Because, again, it's like you got some, you got goggles on if you yeah. can't see that one. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, JP, that was that let's, uh, let's hop over some other stuff. We're on, this is my cancel podcast. You want to do a little less, a little cheaper, little like, uh, no, I'm going to go Van Roy Evan Smith. Okay. All right. Win dude. It's going to say Justin Bieber for the, no, I'm going trifecta on this one. I'm going hard dislike. (laughs) Um, okay. So Van Roy Evan Smith, you can Google it. It's happened in LA a few days ago. He, uh, hit, a guy on uh, drove his car into him. There's a video of it. Smashed him, hit him with his bike, got out of his car, and stabbed him to death for apparently uh, no reason. The experience of this story, you can Google Van Roy Evans Smith. You will not find reference to Van Roy Evans Smith's skin color, nor will you find reference to the victim's, I think is what his name, Mahomes with an M, his skin color. Um, you can find images of these people, which will tell you. And then, you know, if you search purposely, you'll find other articles that say the Van Roy Evans Smith is half white, half black. The doctor that he had killed was a white guy. Um, first articles, including AP News, do not include that Van Roy Evans Smith, according to cops and witnesses, was yelling racial slurs and, and things about white privilege while he was doing this. While stabbing him. While stabbing this guy. Now, the... Where I sit in this is not that this was, and I know this this might be a crazy take, I'm not convinced that this is a hate crime. I think that sometimes when people are pissed at one another, they say the most, most offensive, available, upsetting insult that they can to do something. So I'm not sure that this would or would not have happened if the doctor wasn't white. You know, I don't know if, if he'd been Asian or black or whatever. Um, he might really hate bikers, actually. He might hate, fact, yeah, he might hate bikers and it didn't come lane. to his, so, yeah. uh, and, but, but I'm also open to the idea, like, and then there were other stories that this guy had, uh, cause I, I read some of his older Facebook posts that were selected and I thought, um, this is from the Daily Mail, that some of them, he's like, you know, there is no superior race and there is no that and the other thing. He does talk about oppressor and oppressed though, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting for, for a sense. There's only oppressor and oppressed. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was like, that's some uh, dangerous shit. Um, but so what I thought was interesting is that I don't know hate crime, not hate crime. And quite frankly, that is unimportant to me. The stark difference in the treatment of this story and other ones where you cannot find reference to the race of people in this is deeply frustrating to me. Yeah. Because I actually think that this story is doing it more the way that we ought to do it. Yes. Which is like, just because people have different skin colors does not mean that this is an important thing. The, I can tell you one thing that's fascinating to me is I'm almost certain that the fact that the doctor was a male contributed to his death. Had he been a woman with long hair driving on the bike, I don't think that this, this guy would have killed Mrs. Whatever. Like, I think, I think the maleness of it probably had a lot to do with it in this particular case because he sounded 
fucking angry at him. Maybe cut him off. I don't know. Um, but we don't, that, that it doesn't need to be stated and it's not an important piece of it. You know, like it's, it's, even though it is arguably the one thing that if you could tweak would have saved that person's life given everything else was exactly identical in the way that this played out. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you could tweak that the guy wasn't schizophrenic or insane or super angry, whatever, and that would matter, but let's take that as an aside. Okay. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, we've said this before, the way that it's covered by the news is fucking abysmal. Yes. Um, it's not this one. It's all of the other ones where we jump and in the headline and in the this and it's capital B black. It is insane. We have gone past the point of... We've gone so far past the point of um, approaching these situations with open eyes and instead are hard projecting what the news media has, you know, been inculcated and trained to see and then we as a society. And uh, I it, I think it had primarily in 2020, was that when we had the riots? I think that was, you know. Th- the that last w- two years there, man, I don't remember. Yeah, and, it, and it'll happen again with the next election cycle. Um, and it's not good for us. It's, um, I do think the people that write these things are sincere in their ideology. Like, I don't think that they're cynical in it. Um, but the, there is something that churns it up every four years in a way that does seem cynical. So I don't know who, if there's, if there's some, uh, if people just know deep down that that's how to get people on their side, that that animates people, that that is a button that can be pressed in order to create the effect that you want in the world. But I'll repeat myself broadly. The way that this particular story was covered was actually how I would like would, more of them to be covered until we find a manifesto or other reasons and we go, oh, like this this is a racially motivated crime. Yes. Um, because knowing the skin colors of the people who were involved wasn't helpful. And the other, and it was also, you know, we talked briefly about Tyree Nichols. Like, that one seemed to confound the media in a lot of ways. How do we make sense of this? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, the the answer is you don't need to with you don't need to insert race into this conversation. It is unnecessary for us to start making steps, policies, whatever, to try to make sure that this type of thing never happens. Uh, the addition of race and the question about well, what was I, I know that was an initial question that everybody had. What was you know what what did the cops look like? Yeah. Um, it's, that is taking us away from a solution, not moving us closer to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated by, by it because the bias is to me so freaking obvious when you look at the way that these different types of stories are handled. Yep. Yep. Anthony Lowe was the double amputee who stabbed a person in the chest, uh, on his woke up. He's a W amputee, he has no legs, he's on a wheelchair. He went out, uh, he apparently was uh, not doing well that day uh, from like a friend said, and then had a kitchen knife and got, while crossing the street, stabbed a man in the chest, causing him to have a collapsed lung. The police responded to looking for a person in a wheelchair who stabbed a man in the chest uh, with no legs. They find him, he's got a kitchen knife, they're asking him to comply, he's not complied, and they shoot him to death. Um, the headline is the headline shoot. is guy yeah. yeah police the headline is California police killed W amputee who was fleeing scared for his life yeah and just to piggyback on the titles mm-hmm. and if you don't read into the article you don't see that this man woke up and chose violence yeah well uh, and I don't know whether the, I have no idea if those officers need to be kicked off the force, sent to jail, whatever. But what I do know is that the treatment of the title is not coming from somebody who is trying to notify the public yeah. um, and give them the information that is necessary. It might just be, I don't care, this gets clicks. It might be this creates a social movement that I want to see that is anti-cop. Um, but yeah, there is there is not, that is not coming from someone that is trying to give people the pertinent information that they need to make up their own mind. Um, and yeah, that's why I don't like the news. And as I spoke about with Destiny, I don't like engaging in too many political debates because so much of it is colored by people that 
are not trying to inform me and I wasn't there and I didn't see. And so I'm yeah. relying on secondhand, thirdhand accounts yep. from people that don't want me to have the information that is per- they are they they are trying to give it to me in a way that creates a particular reaction inside of me. And then I can read two of them and I can average this guy who wants me to think this way, yeah. this guy who wants me to think this way, and we that's that is not how I have found truth in yep. in other areas of my life. Um so let's go to lighter. Cool. Uh, I watched the Stairway to Heaven performed by Hart several years ago, I think, at the Kennedy Center to Led Zeppelin. So you've got like Robert Plant and Jimmy Page are watching up in the rafters. And there's, you know, they're fucking killing it. They're, it's, you know, Stairway to Heaven. And Jimmy Page is just got this soft smile on his face the whole time. And Robert Plant is, has what appears to be a forced frown. And at one point he cracks a smile and then, you know, that Kanye thing where he's, and he like pulls it back. He pulls it back and I felt so bad for him. And when you look at their faces, there's an old saying that is, you know, by a certain age, every man has earned his face. Like Jimmy Pages has an approachability, a softness, a whatever. And Robert Plant looks angry. Yes. Like it's, and I was just struck. I was like, that is a lifetime of that decision being made over mm. and over and over again. You are touched by having this song that is, you know, so many people have been moved by. You're in the rafters of the Kennedy Center, surrounded by your bandmates while they look up to you and blow kisses. And you have to mute the emotional expression because you've not learned to just let it move through you. Yeah. I don't know the temperament of those two, but um, I definitely know what you mean. You can tell like someone's face who's, been happy their whole life versus like the I don't know the crow's feet for the eyes but like that yeah. downward turned smile here where you've that's mm-hmm. just never been yeah. those muscles have never been activated for uh, a long time um, do you know the temperament of the man is Robert Plant I don't know any I, you know what's funny if, if you want to correct me if you're out there I don't know but that that moment did speak volumes to me and what I can safely say is that yeah the he's not comfortable with letting emotions move through him like dude i was i'm sitting there touched it's fucking heart playing your song with a choir in the background what that's your life man i mean like you you did this you know and and there's all these people are there for you and to yeah to not be able to let it move through you and what was interesting is that jimmy page it was you could see him just letting it in you know and he he had a he had a smile on his face and he was bobbing his head to the music and it was like yeah that's that's the old that's the old man i'd like to be of the two of them and also that you could literally you know write sing stairway to heaven be led zeppelin and um still not have open connection with joy is um just an instructive thing for everybody which is you know you can do so much in the world but if you can't fix that your ability to experience the best of life is is locked up by your own yeah by your by yourself um another thing speaking of locked up i was reading mythos i know you've read some of it it's uh stephen fry's like coverage of the uh greek mythology one this is another thing related to jordan peterson it is so fucking different from christian judeo approach like it is wildly different i agree and i found a ton of similarities too Okay. But go ahead. There, the things that you would pull out that God thinks wants and is from the New Testament versus how Zeus behaves <laughs> is Zeus is just everybody. Hera, who was who is Zeus's wife, is like mostly putting up with it, but like taking steps to like kill the children that he is that he is fathering with via other people. And she's Almost like that that um, queen of antiquity, which understands that her husband is going to have concubines, but is threatened by the children of them. You know, it's just a very different worldview that is obviously, you know, that's that's a different worldview. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I thought, the story of Pandora's box is that, I don't know, is she Prometheus's daughter? I'm already forgetting. But, I just read this, but... Um, she is Prometheus's. No, she becomes Prometheus's brother's wife. wife. Yeah. Okay. 
So she's she's in the whole Prometheus thing. Zeus is angry at Prometheus because they were once very good friends, and Prometheus brought fire to man, which threatened Zeus. Um, that's a similar story. It was, oh, shit, they're going to become like us. This yes. is too much power for them. Uh, no, she's bo- they craft her. All the gods craft her in their perfect image. Hera gives her the divine beauty. Or all gives gifts. Her beauty. Yeah, Pandora. They all give yeah. her a gift. They, she's crafted out of clay just like the humans. Mm-hmm. And it, the specifics don't matter, but they make her specifically for one purpose. Yeah. So the gods make and her. And so they send her down, and she's so beautiful, and she's got this box, and Zeus tells her, don't open the box, whatever you do. And, of course, you know, the same, this This is a weirdly similar story to the Garden of Eden. Um, That's what I'm saying. There's says, so many similarities. Yeah, yeah. Where he tells her, well, this is like, I guess Old Testament is maybe more similar. When I think of the forgiveness and the and the gentleness of the New Testament, it's just not, it's not what I'm seeing in these gods. This ends pretty badly. Yeah, yes. Go ahead. Um you guys kind of know the story is that she one day can't restrain herself and opens the box and all of the evils of the world that we now live in. We lived in like this golden age prior to this and all of the evils of the world. This is Zeus's punishment. Disease, sorrow. Disease, sorrow and, you know, famine, deceit, everything deceit. Um, comes out and she slams it. And this is one of the things that I had misheard. But according to Stephen Fry and I looked it up, hope is locked in the box. Yes. This fucked me up because I thought that, I thought that, the story was, which I like better, and the last thing to flutter out was hope for mankind, which made all of that bearable. Zeus wanted to punish Prometheus, and, too, which is yeah. in the background. So he crafts this person who's like a spy who can't help themselves in the images of a god and a human, sent down to um, trick his brother yeah. because Prometheus knows a gift will come yeah, from yeah. Olympus that you cannot trust. Yeah. He's away on on travel. They give him this beautiful woman. They become in love. One day she gets exactly what he says. He's like, do not open this box. Don't, don't worry about it. Just don't open it. And she, just like humans, you have that nature. Why would he tell me that? She, yeah, she, yeah. She so, co- so we got the story. All right, my bad. <laughs> well, dude, in the background is a guy who wants to inflict pain across all the human race. This is my question is, I had always understood that hope was like this thing that was stuck in that box and came out and made it bearable. But it seems like the telling of the story is that hope is like the worst thing in the box. And thank God Pandora got it shut because the hope is what keeps you in the suffering or something like that. I don't know. I was I, so I, confused because it was less all with the bad story. stuff in yeah. the box and then yeah. hope got left in. And I thought lo- ho- hope was... It's yeah. a Greek word. I looked it up. I was trying to understand. It's like, is this like dogged pursuit i don't know I, I couldn't i didn't connect with with the story it it touches me to think that hope comes out last and is like you it, it makes these things bearable but yeah i don't know what the greek perception of hope was but i didn't like that story Maybe, <laughs> yeah i didn't get that read i didn't realize that it was something bad to think that it could be the worst one to give yeah. false hope to people mm-hmm. um False, yeah, I don't know. But but clearly that exists in the world. That's the other thing. It's like, how is hope in the box? I see hope out of the box all the time. So yeah. I don't think that they were stupid, but the, the story didn't make sense to me. If you guys have a read on what it's all about, let me know. Um, and then a little fun game that I was playing, which you guys can challenge yourself, is see if you can name the 12 Olympian gods. This was fun for me. Um, Hades doesn't count because he's in the underworld. See how many you can get. Uh, video games gave me like 10 and then I had to like sharpen the last two. Uh, there's two that should I try? It's just boring for the viewer for me. Yeah, to try. You need, you I just to... read this. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting. The domains of the God again are indicative of like a very different time. So I'm going to, I'll spoil some of it. The hearth, the hearth. Yeah. There is a God, the one that you don't know, Hestia, the God of the hearth, which is like the fire pit in your house. There's a God of war. There's a God of love, There's and then there's a God of the fire pit in your house. And it's the most revered, the first. Hestia, well, Hestia was, I think, the firstborn. Yeah, yeah dude, yeah. the hearth, like yeah, yeah. where you live, yes. is the most important, the, the heart of the home. Yeah, and I thought that that was fascinating, of like, oh my God, like that, what a different world. You've got war, huge, love, huge. You've got this, I mean, what, lightning in the sky is Zeus, and then you've got the fire pit in your house. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's how big that was yeah. back then. 
They didn't have central air. Now no. we got the god of central air. Now I have multiple hearths in our house. Yeah. That's Neil Gaiman, uh, American gods. Like how these gods have fallen. Like some of them, I've just they're just unimportant now. They have no point. The god of the hearth is like, the fuck do I need that for? We've god got the decorative forge. fireplaces yeah, at this yeah. point. Um, so let me see if there's anything. Oh, you said Bieber. We wanted to go there. Um, we we mentioned this uh, uh so justin bieber similar to justin timberlake i think and david getta and david getta have like all signed these deals for roughly i think the same amount of money like 100 no, no what, sorry <laughs> sorry 100 to 200 million each 50 There's to 200 50, yeah to sell their catalog of music um to the same company by the way which i thought was interesting yes. what i thought was fascinating is like okay so bieber's entire body of work is valued at 200 million dollars he's been around for a long time. At least a decade. Mr. Beast has been around for four, five years of like actually doing it and is valued at over a billion. George Clooney, not as famous, you know, Ryan Reynolds, they get these like Conor McGregor, proper 12. These things are valued at hundreds of millions of dollars. And so one of the things that I'm seeing is that these influencers and these, you know, musicians, etc., are wildly under monetized because... They have always partnered with Dior or they have partnered with McDonald's or they have partnered with somebody else and they have taken fat paychecks to run ads. And Mr. Beast said, no, I'm going to own Beast Burgers. I'm going to own the production company. I'm going to own these chocolate bars. I'm going to own this. And just by what he's demonstrated, he's, a, he's, he's got a five times valuation of like his easy company's five times. easy, easy five time valuation. And it's like, is that because Beast is bigger than Bieber? I think if Bieber applied himself, not, no. I'm going to give you a number. Yeah. You, so um, Justin Bieber on YouTube has 27.5 billion views on his YouTube content. Mm-hmm. Mr. Beast has 21 billion in yeah. the US and 33 combined. So they're the same level of exposure. And that's, and what, that's what Justin Bieber hasn't even tried. He hasn't exactly. tried. He's, that's he Vivo a views. Of, yeah, that's Vivo. A couple yeah. of music videos that he put out. Like the guy isn't even trying. Yes. And it's, it's okay. I'm not saying that Justin Bieber ought to go make more money. But that there has been a huge, and I think this is only going to get in, amplified going forward. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but like, is McDonald's in trouble? Is like every single business that used to survive on advertising about to be attacked by an influencer who understands how to create content for essentially free because they can fund it with sponsors, get millions of people interested in them, and they go, do you want a Beast Burger kid or do you want McDonald's? Because McDonald's has to pay to acquire you, and I don't. Mm. I'm being paid to acquire you. I get to build my brand while I make you love Beast Burgers and then I insert them in there. Like, I mean, yeah, he, with the operational push and the scale, like he, he's got a lower cost to acquire a customer and that is, that is what wins in business. Like yep. he can just, it's free for him, essentially. You could, you could even argue that he's being paid to build his audience and acquire customers for his candy bars, et cetera. And um, just and how under-monetized actors and actresses are yeah. and musicians. Like, Justin Bieber, you have n- only $200 million for your music, And so bro? this is the thing. So the question is, where do people spend their attention that that person isn't paying them? So, like, McDonald's, when we were kids, it was all up in our face, but they paid for it. They had to pay to be on our Nickelodeon shows. They had to pay to be on this. They had to pay to be on that. They had to pay to be on whatever. But, like, we were watching, I don't know, fucking Corey Matthews or something. Like, there was other things that, well, I, I don't even know. It's like, because I guess they were being funded by the McDonald's ads, but it's like, if they had just taken that, uh, Boy Meets World, Corey Matthews, had just taken that and said, we're going to spin off a business based on this. We're going to not fund this with ads, which is, by the way, this is funny because this is exactly how Charisma on Command works. If I tried to fund Charisma on Command with ads, we would be like one-fifth the size that we're at. I don't. I fund Charisma on Commands not with sponsorships or with McDonald's, which I do have some ads on it. I fund it with the business that I own. I sell them things related to the authority and the trust that I am creating in there. And so, like, this, this model of, like, what if every television show or every YouTuber or every musician was connected to a business that was their product? And then rather than putting you against ads for fucking Kleenex or McDonald's or something else— they said, I'm not going to advertise other people. I'm only going to advertise my stuff. This is Conor McGregor, proper 12. You know, he goes up there. He's waving his proper 12. That shit has made him so much money. Ryan Reynolds is doing, I think he owns a piece of Mint Mobile. He's got his alcohol that he's constantly just, he stands in front of a camera, cracks a couple jokes, gets 500,000 to a million views for Aviation Gin. George Clooney did this a long time ago with Casamigos. And he was, 
he was like, I guess, A-list at that point, but it was it, his value compared to his peers skyrocketed. And there seems to be this, this uh, misunderstanding in general. Um, I guess it was kind of a laziness. The actors didn't want to be involved in business. They wanted to do movies, and then they just wanted to get paid. And it's the same thing on YouTube, which is like, do you want to build out a business for yourself? In which our case, it took us a long time to build the course and construct it and have a sales page. Or do you just want to take money from BetterHelp or you know, uh, surf VPN or whatever. Um, yeah. And you can make five to 10 times as much money if you have your own business. And I think that that pressure to do that is going to go up and up and up and up and up as more and more people realize and they get outcompeted. Like the, the sponsorship rates are going to have to go up if these people want to pay because people should be doing what I'm doing. It's funny. I talked to another YouTuber. I have to give her a ring. Um, who had asked about course business and didn't, shocked at the relative difference value of a sponsor versus having your own thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's the direction that we're going in is, um, you as a business person need to be a content thing. Don't need to, but for a lot of businesses benefit from being a content thing that you can create cheap and or at cost. And then you connect that to a business, which is what drives your profits. Yep. A business that you own. Um, anything else? Uh, the red pill dating advice guy that you talked about. Oh, we could do. Okay. Donovan so, Sharp. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a little bit. <laughs> this one is too easy. Um, People Abin, aren't, are sort of familiar with this community and it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Abin Preach did the, did the video. I will say that I don't, they did a better job than I did. There's a guy that it feels unfair because he's not like um, a massively successful person uh, in this community. But he, uh, somebody made a compilation that they then reacted to that I am now reacted to, very internet of us. Yeah. Where he is uh, talking about how you shouldn't, you know, it's a bad idea to be with a, a uh, single mom, that that's not good. Uh, and then via finding his girlfriends or wives, I don't know, um, bankruptcy filing, you can see dependence that that person has. And the person that he's been with for many years has a daughter. So there is this like, and you look at the things that he rails against and you look at the uh, videos that he has made of how his, you know, wife, they will sit at a restaurant and she will not make eye contact with a waiter. And then a man, she walks out. If a man comes, she averts her gaze. And it is, oh gosh, again, it's exactly what I talked about, which is like, rather than deal with your own shit, which is the, the answer to this problem is clearly on the inside. And it's, there's things that he says, which are sad, just sincerely sad. Um, Cause he's like, now that it's come out, he's like, you know, obviously, like, she's not the hottest and she's not the, you know, and I know that I'm not the best section she's ever had. And it's just like the, in order to remain consistent with his fears, he has to acknowledge that he, everything that he says is still true. That, uh, you know, a girl who was older or a woman who was older um, has definitely had more sex and you're never going to, and she's never going to be all these things. And well, that I know that about mine. It's just this projection of his, his own inadequacies, which he is. I don't have a problem with him living out onto everyone else. Given while he gives advice to everyone else, the advice that he wants to take, but also can't take because he feels connected to this person, which is like lovely in a way. Um, and I don't know what's going on at all in their relationship. You know, the, the, the TikToks and the, the videos they put are so forced and fake and disconnected, but it is a, um, you see this with Republicans who are super anti-gay and then are caught in Cabo like doing jello shots off of some guy <laughs> like yeah. they're the rather than deal with your own stuff you go out there and tell everybody else that they shouldn't do the thing that you are struggling with and yep. that the world is the way that you fear that it is yep um and that's just sad um so yeah i don't i don't yeah i sincerely feel bad for him um, that, cause the, the trap of his own experience is a painful one. I don't like all of that activity, all of those posts and creating things and having a business around it, just all of that in defense of the feeling is really sad. Um, so that was one piece. I think it's a good take. I think, cause you can watch that other video where they show yeah, well, the hypocrisy laugh and yeah, yeah. You, they laugh at him and the, we don't need to have that take. Yeah, yeah. I, I sincerely felt bad, and I think they did too. I, it, it's at some point it stops being 
funny. It's funny when someone resists and is like not exactly the thing that you're saying that they are. But when you can see right through to the pain, it's not funny. It's just, yeah, it's just sad. Um, This is totally random, but um, I was thinking about this as regards to, I forget what we were talking about, teachers. And like looking back at school and and how... The advice that I often took or was being expected to take from people was coming from people that that I would not want to be or be like. Um, And it made me realize that authority is often based on dehumanizing that person in authority. So what, what I mean by that is like our teachers needed to keep this distance between themselves and the students. Because if you were 25 and your students are 17, like you need to have this veil of adult between you and them where you can't know about their life you can't know where they go on the weekend you can't know their flaws because if you did you would not respect them yep um if you knew everything that they were dealing with and so there's has to be this thing and i think if you look at like boot camp the initial authority of a boot camp is distance it's like you sleep in here we sleep in here officers enlisted men uh power distance authority you're not allowed to know shit about this person and what I th- was thinking, I don't know if it's true, if you're uh, in the military, let me know, but at least from what I see in the movies, when SEALs are in the movies and they're out on, you know, in Afghanistan, they've all got long beards, they've stopped doing this, the haircut, there is a camaraderie and a flow between, and they still have leadership. And that is a leadership that is not based on distance, authority, and dehumanization, but of genuine competency. Like the person that is the leader of the SEALs team has been deeply democratically Elected. Elected to lead. Yeah. And when you do that, it is their humanity. It is who they are that makes them the leader. And they don't need to confront challenges because they have established that they have earned the right to lead. And it's not just earned. Like, the people want them to lead. Yeah. And that that came... Yeah, how'd that come up? Because I'm remembering this conversation we had in the sauna. I but think I, I don't was just thinking was, about businesses and how people run in businesses and how people will hide behind hierarchy to maintain their position. And it's, uh, it's like, yeah, yeah. this is because if people got to vote, you wouldn't be manager or boss. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you would be out. Now, there are times where, like, people don't know, right? And so you go full communist and you're like, oh, those people, you know, making all the money and making all the uh, the food. They don't know how to run the farms and you kick them out and then... They, they did know how to run the farms and you have a famine on your hands. Yep. But there, I think what you want to aim for is as a leader, and I'm feeling this like, is have you, have you earned it? And do, do people continue, are they continually buying in to you uh, being the one that they want? Are you partaking in that uniformity and stepping back and using your authority? Yes. Like you, like an- and I felt this as a kid with dad, which was like, the fuck am I listening to this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was frustrated, angry. He was bigger, but that didn't matter. And it was only later in life that, again, we had we had a journey where he was with me, where he behaved in a way that was so fucking far beyond me. It mm. was so deeply loving and connected. And I was like, oh, I submit to this authority. Like this, this, this is. I have no problem kneeling, bowing, whatever, before this. Mm. And it was, yeah, wanting to be, if there are hierarchies, which there will, of course, be in my life, wanting them to be like that. That is, whether I'm the one in the position of power or the person who is not in power, wanting it to be something where it is like an understood, not just there's distance or space or you've dehumanized yourself and I don't know what's really going on, but I have seen through to who you are and have willingly, purposefully, and happily chosen to, like, follow your lead. Yeah. I think that those experiences are very, very rare. Yeah, I was going to say, who's a true, not a true leader, but who's a leader in that sense that you see I out there in no the world? One, no one. Everyone that I see leading is by, like, dehumanizing themselves, not showing their emotions, not showing what's going on behind the scenes, not showing what's going on in their life. You know what I mean? Like, the way that they do it is by is by drawing that artificial boundary between them and other people the way that our teachers did, mm. um, where you're not allowed to see into the fucked upness of their own life and their own relationship and their own home and their own internal world. Um, and uh, I'm trying to, and I think I have felt that shift from people around me. Not that I was, I think that there was always a respect for um, 
what I was able to do intellectually, but I think I have I have felt that there has been a um a shift with people like respecting really deeply how I'm handling things emotionally in in yeah. some of the business matters where people are uh, yeah, I was just like I'm really smart, I can do all of this and it's like that's kind of like being a very good player on the team, but that's not being the team leader. Yeah, yeah. That's how I could say that that what I the, the role that I filled I think we can go life. into this deeper in the Patreon if you want. Sure. You want to hop over to Patreon? Yeah, let's do that. Yes. So if you guys want to join us on Patreon, I'm going to be discussing what I've learned this week in the business as I always do. People really enjoy that. Honestly, it's been quite a surprise. I'm very happy with it because I get to share the specifics and the details that uh, are deep cuts. Uh, so if that interests you and you want to check that out, go to Patreon. We also answer the best questions that we get from our patrons. It's another podcast every week that you guys can check out and it helps support us and keep us going. It's the primary way that we run this podcast and it means the world to us. So if you would, please check out Patreon. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I think that's it for us today. That's it. Cool. Peace. Peace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.